2: good wednesday morning welcome to squawk on the street i'm carl Cantoneo with jim kramer and david faber coming off a couple days of gains and that near one percent rally on tuesday but futures are weak as the 10-year yield stays elevated you got oil at 120 and the 10th straight day of record high average gas prices at 497. a roadmap begins with reading the recession tea leaves mortgage demand falling continued inflation headwinds and some signs the economy could be headed for another quarter of negative growth Plus, a COVID boost, vaccine
1: development sending shares of both Novavax and Moderna higher. We'll cover that. And Zelensky's message to corporate America. The president of Ukraine is set to answer questions at the Yale CEO Summit this hour. Carl.
2: We'll monitor that. Uh, We're going to begin, though, with the markets, of course, and fears of a recession. Jim, yesterday it was the World Bank. Today it's the OECD uh, cutting their global uh, growth outlook for the U.S. all around the world and nearly doubling their forecast for inflation.
3: Well, look, how can you not cut growth? We've got conflict nations in Europe that are slowing, uh, China not really opening. We are uh, gripped by what's happened with Target and then this morning with mortgage originations. I just don't know about the inflation side of it. I think that a lot of that is just related to oil. Otherwise, we should be thrilled we have a glut of retail that makes it so that everybody uh, is involved with a promotional activity. Anything promotional is really good for the consumer. We see mortgage rates uh, really going up enough that maybe we'll get a glut of housing. And that, those things are deflationary. So I think that the one remaining part is oil. and you know, Oil is very geopolitical. Uh, and plus the president refused to go to the Permian and say, OK, guys, what can you do for us? What can we do for you? Because that would mean concessions to fossil fuels. And the president's just not going to do that. He'd rather go to the Saudi Arabia and try to get them to pump than to go to Texas. And that kind of uh, foolishness is uh, hurting the American consumer.
1: Man, you come yeah. back to this every day, Jim. Uh, it's really because oh, it's, it's right. It's interesting to me. I mean, I think it is worthy of a bit of a conversation. I, you know, you um, know, yeah, there is certainly a desire on the part of this administration to try to attack climate change in a real way. I know you believe that it's a real threat. I know yeah, you're not definitely. dismissing that in any way. Um, you know as well as I do that it takes time, even if you were to. Um, I'm not quite sure what uh, uh, government leases. I'm not quite sure what you're looking for in terms of him saying pump more and then saying yes when their shareholder bases, as well seem somewhat uncertain as to whether that's really what they want and would much rather have the money returned to them in the form of a dividend and or uh, share a buyback. So I, I just I, I'm curious as to what you think that conversation is going to be. Since you bring it up every day.
3: Sure. Well, look, I, I think that the uh, ever since the president has been talking about going to Saudi Arabia, he's also talking about how solar is going to help us here. That really doesn't help cars. Uh, he's actually cracked out. He's actually said that there's got to be more oversight on pipelines. Well, I mean, you can't have it both ways. You can't say there has to be more oversight for, for pipelines and at the same time say more pipelines. And so the, he's uh, withholding uh, quick approval of pipelines. Uh, he is making it so that there's no real credits being given if you're trying to do uh, uh, carbon capture. Now, David, you have a, a very important documentary on June 22nd at 8 o'clock with Exxon. I think Exxon is a changed beast. I think if I were the president, I'd say, you know what? I think Exxon is trying to break bread with us. I've got to break bread with them. But no, the president doesn't want to do that because that would mean that his green constituency, not like the green constituency in Germany that ended up, I think, putting a lot, uh, putting us in the situation we're in. The green constituency is too powerful. And I think what he doesn't realize, uh, what Biden just not uh, realizes, those people aren't going to vote for Republicans ever. So what's the point? Why not sit down with Mike Worth, with Darren Wood, say, OK, listen, I know that maybe even if you start now, it's going to take a year. But we've got to get this thing down in a sense that we know at least a year from now there's going to be more oil. Go from 12 million to 14 million barrels, and we will know that oil is going to stop eventually because there is a yield. There's a curve, David. No, All no, the doubt. On the curve. I, I
1: understand. And you can talk about an out year, a year ahead, but it's going to obviously impact potentially prices a lot sooner than that. I get that. Right. Um, so you're with me. Thank uh, well, you. Well, no, I, and I do think Exxon is a change company, and people can judge yes. for themselves. They can judge for themselves two weeks from tonight, uh, 8 p.m., uh, June 22nd, because okay. we have access to the company that nobody's ever had. Uh, so you can judge for yourself as to whether you think it is a change company and whether it's serious about attacking uh, its own carbon footprint, as well as that of the world, so to speak. Um, at the same time, you do need a price on carbon. You need it to go up uh, significantly. You're absolutely right, Jim. But it but again, I, you know, I, I, I still come back to the shareholders because I do believe that that is also an impediment to tough decision making on the part of many of these companies in terms of saying we're going to put a lot more money back into the ground.
3: Well, look, I, I know the kinds of things I've been coming up with uh, the oil guys haven't liked, which is how about if the government just gives you money, uh, it goes right to your shareholders and you pump more. Well, neither side's going to do that. I've been trying to work on things. I keep coming back to credits for carbon capture. Uh, make it so that it's you, you spend money, you get more, uh, you don't get hurt. I think the government's more likely to do a windfall, ta- windfall tax on the refiners, which is not what you want. The big uh, big price is a lot of the price that you're seeing at the pump is because of the shortage of refinery. And I'm not asking for Keystone. Keystone would have brought heavy crude that was ideal for our refineries. But, David, all I want to see is some discussion. Do you, you agree with this? Do you agree with this? Better to go to U.S. producers than to Saudi producers hat in hand. Which one's better
1: to go to?
0: Yeah, Who no, would you rather listen, negotiate
1: with? I, it, look, Carl, uh, in my opinion, it's certainly, uh, you know, for whatever it's worth, better to have the conversation regardless. Always have dialogue. Uh, I think that perhaps some would say that has been a blind spot of this current administration, their unwillingness to a certain extent to talk to certain parts of the business community. In my view, you always talk to them in every way. They're an incredibly important component overall of what's going on in this country. So, Yeah. um, Carl, I want to bring back uh, to you to the bigger issues, of course, which we continue to talk about, which is inflation, which is being driven to a certain extent by these gasoline prices that we're all dealing with every day. In fact, I even drove to New Jersey today. I thought about it. I was like, wow, this is going to cost me more than it normally does.
2: Yeah, you crossed, on 497 you over? Uh, on, on a national average uh, is a re- another record, as we said. we got about a dozen states with averages above $5 a gallon, guys. J.P. Morgan's still looking for 620 a gallon as an average uh, by August. Uh, Jim, And all this is going to feed into CPI because although we're getting some encouraging metrics on, say, prices of chips, prices of shipping containers, prices of fertilizer, uh, B of A today, we look for another hot report in May when we get CPI on Friday, headline spiking maybe eight tenths months on month. And that's energy is going to offset a lot of the the constructive things we're seeing.
3: True, but we've got to understand that if you have mortgage, mortgage applications down. Uh, and we know that a lot of the people who locked into a low rate uh, two months ago are now not able to get that rate. You can't go in now. You, I mean, if you want a five-year treasury, by the way, you're going to get 3% yield to maturity. I mean, we're beginning to see a lot of things that tells me that you must predict that housing is going to go down. I think this target news is good, should reverberate and be just as big as, as gasoline, because What's going to be bought at a store is much cheaper. Don't forget, we now have work from home. Now, it is true. When I talked to Lyft yesterday, more blue-collar workers are, are riding uh, because they still have to go to the office. But uh, the cars have uh, do get better gas mileage. And we have these indices like the Mannheim uh, uh, Index of used cars, Carl. They are down dramatically in price. So I think, yes, we have a number Friday that is backward-looking. The forward-looking numbers are going to be much better with the exception of gasoline. We can asterisk gasoline, but what we can't asterisk what happened to Target. I mean, Target was an incredible move. We had Ollie's bargain. I know it's not a big story. I know David's not a member of Ollie's army. But a lot of people were playing that because they thought that they would be getting the Target uh, inventory. They have a problem with inventory. If there is all this inventory and Mickey Drexler says there's all this inventory, we should be thinking about that as a win for the consumer. It's not all a loss. So I think in the end, Carl, it's going to be a push. That's better than what we had. And inventory at stores and promotional environment, that is fantastic for back to school. And that's what we're going to have.
2: Yeah. Interesting. uh, Kind of a split decision on Target in terms of the analyst reaction. B of A does cut to neutral. They go from 235 down to 165, David. But JPM, uh, Target looks idiosyncratic. Not a change in the customer outlook. It's the wallet shift we've been talking about for almost a year.
1: Yeah. uh, And and we saw that uh, even with their initial numbers, of course, as well, in terms of what people are willing to spend and want to spend money on. We do continue to come back as well to the, the amount of savings that is still available to consumers. Uh, it, it is diminishing, Jim, but it is still in, not an insignificant sum that many believe will continue to power demand. It just will be different demand. But
3: think about what we buy. Uh, you move into a new house. You want to make the house different. Well, everything in these aisles going down. It's the hard goods that were really uh, the bane of Target's existence. Those are all going to go down. Carl, if you want to buy a TV, it's going to go down. Now, I would say the cost of a TV is equal to at least a month, if not two, of how much you're paying more at the pump. I think the journalists are endlessly talking about price at the pump because it's so easy to see. There are a lot of other things that can come down. I think airline prices can come down. Uh, Those are just sky high. I just am urging people to say that if you think that the only thing that matters in inflation is gasoline or oil prices, you're dead wrong. There's a lot of different inputs, and used cars are coming down and coming down radically. And cars and trucks matter.
2: It's a good point. And the share of uh, that... The consumer spends on energy has come down over the years. A yeah, little bit of a yeah. spike here lately, but obviously over the past couple of decades, not nearly what we used to spend. By the way, guys, uh, this morning, the Yale CEO Summit is taking place at the New York Public Library. There is a surprise special guest addressing I the event, that and that is Ukrainian president, president Zelensky. Screen. Several CEOs, one business one leaders finance, attending the summit, which is streaming on CNBC.com. There's a look a at uh, the room. Our Sarah Eisen is there asking the president some questions, and we'll hear from her. Ukraine. After that session these, ends, uh, a pretty good lineup, uh, Jim. Uh, Arvind Krishna, IBM, Jane Fraser, City, earth, Borla from Pfizer, be uh, Maffei from Liberty. Um, and be a good uh, sense, uh, sense as to how President business leaders from, from around the world, the world are viewing so exactly, very exactly very what we're talking about today.
3: Absolutely, and Jeffrey Seidenfeld always brings out to her. That is just a fantastic conference. It's actually uh, kind of, I would say, a festival of business, and Jeff keeps it at a high level. Obviously, getting Zelensky is terrific. I'd like to hear what these people all have to say about all these issues. I think everyone's either afraid of, of a slowing or seeing a slowing, except for cybersecurity. I've had those people out here today. I've had a bunch of them because there's a cybersecurity conference. Carl, there's, there is absolutely no let up, and there's no uh, hope, I think, if you don't have a cybersecurity specialist. Everybody else, I mean, look, we have to speak to Chuck Robbins today see if anything good has happened since he was on our show last. Uh, I don't know. Uh, the downbeat nature of everyone could create a recession, just the talking of it, and I don't want that. I don't want that to happen.
2: That's what Chuck Robbins said at Davos just a couple weeks ago. Yeah. We can talk ourselves into a recession.
3: Look, I was out with a bunch of young people and uh, last night, and all people want to know is what month, I mean, it's like they have a betting pool. Like, we should go to DraftKings. David, let's go yeah, to DraftKings well. and see if Jason Robbins can't give us a when the recession starts. Maybe we pick a day. And what were you doing in New Jersey? How did that happen? Well, well you're <laughs> in
1: San Francisco, and
3: I yeah, got did a Did you I, cross the hut? No, did, you putting you in the, the, the finishing Hudson? touches.
1: Yes, of course. We're putting the finishing touches on the documentary. It's still work being done. When Might is Might as well be here. By the way, when, by definition, when you go out with people, they're going to be younger. I just want to make that clear. So, Absolutely. But younger
3: yeah. people worried about a recession and what day. <laughs> and we used and to I have mean, recessions,
1: Jim. You know, they weren't they, you, you push through them and then you actually get rates a bit higher and you normalize things. It's only the last, what, how many years that the Fed wouldn't let, you know, go to all take all costs to keep us from but having. But Bill what Mc we had in the it's service ServiceNow,
3: huge company. Bill yeah. and Emily we'll, we'll asked Frank Sloopman today on Snowflake, but huge company just saying. Please understand, this is not 2008. There are forms of recession Correct. that are not so destructive yes. that we have systemic risk. Yes. And that's uh, something that I think we have to deal with. David, when this June 22nd a documentary is coming on, what I'm going to talk about is the president meeting with Darren Lewis.
1: We're, oh, we're going we're gonna to arrange that meeting. You want to do that? Okay. Well, look, if, yeah. if Sarah can sit down with Zelensky,
3: anything can happen. <laughs>
1: it's true.
3: Anything I can mean, happen. I mean, well, we're not going to sit down with Putin. That's no. a tough interview. I work on that interview night and day. He likes bad money more than he likes your show.
1: Oh, God. Yeah, no. I, yeah, I'm not interested in that one. No? No.
2: Yeah. Musk. Hard, hard oh, Musk. Right Musk. here in New
1: Jersey. All right. Well,
3: Musk, he, Musk is tweeting around the clock. I don't know if we can get him.
2: We'll talk about uh, Musk's new fascination with YouTube. Uh, we'll get to Novavax, Intel, Affirm, DocuSign. And for all of these systemic risks out there, VIX...
0: We feel that we are rewarding them as we progress, as we advance, which is why we save, we put aside half our free cash flow as a return of dividends, and the other half in return, they let us keep to do the next deal.
2: That's Broadcom's Hawk Tan with Jim last night on Mad Money on the road, ahead following the uh, chipmaker's deal to acquire VMware. What a transition story, uh, Jim, that company has been.
3: Yeah, and there we have to understand that there's, they have multiple product lines, and the only one that they see any weakness in uh, is telco, and that's because it's consumer. They're seeing tremendous demand from all the hyperscale companies, and there you got to be thinking about something like the metas. Uh, they have no let up, business is just booming. They think VMware is fantastic, and it will be immediately accre- accretive. David Hoctan has put together a monster, and what I, I asked him directly, I mentioned you by name, I thought you might like that. Thank you. Uh, you're quite welcome. Uh, and he said "There's there are so many targets for him to buy that are creative. Tell David not to worry about it, basically.
1: <laughs> he mentioned Fred. I appreciate that. And by the way, it was a great get and a great interview, Jim. Uh, Thank you. Because it is important to hear from him, and we don't. Uh, you know, I think the last time was when all three of us had him on, on set at the NYC, and that's quite a few years ago. Um, you know, by the way, we should point out, and it's highly unlikely, but you, you, there is still a ghost shop here on VMware. Remember, Jim, that... It was interesting that they included that because it was a strategic deal, obviously, not an LBO where we're very accustomed to seeing those ghost shops. I don't think anybody comes. Certainly haven't heard anything that would indicate it, but still worth mentioning. You never know. I mean, it is still a slight possibility. Well, um, it's just a great move for Hawk because that puts him at
3: 50% software. He right. wants to be more software. It's got higher margins. This is going to drive the stock up. If people want to buy a stock uh, that is basically a hedge on tech coming back, 15 times earnings, Almost a three percent yield, a deal that could be immediately creative if it closes, run by a person who is just basically just said, listen, I won't tolerate anything other than profitability from everyone. So you don't this is not one of those price to sale story, dude. Yeah. This is an honest goodness fantastic semiconductor story and a lot of people feel that he's slash
1: and burn what i think he is he takes out a lot of costs and it works that's he, listen and that's why the stock has done what it has and that's why he's able to do deal after deal and generally get a pretty good response in his own stock price which obviously is important given they also are using that as part of the currency for the vmware deal itself jim um, when he says that there's plenty of things to do, you know, get any feel as to what he's, you know, it doesn't have to be a giant deal, obviously. You can do, a, do smaller ones, they add up as well, but he just feels like there's still plenty out there.
3: Oh yeah, now VMware's gonna take a little time to, uh, to digest. It's a very big deal. But Carl, when, before people get too gloomy, Broadcom is a $230 billion company where product touches every aspect of digitization, and business is nothing short of on fire. So uh, it is very easy to get down, particularly after the target boom. But remember, there are companies that are returning capital somewhat unlike what, somewhat like what the oil companies are doing, but returning capital, growing, and you can find them. Gigantic buyback by this man who has outperformed the market dramatically, dramatically in the last 10 years. So I don't want people to give up hope. I want people to be a little more opportunistic. And when they see like, what comes down today, it's going to open down. And probably go down three, four. But, it, but it's all S and P. It's all traders. There's nothing wrong. I, I have the most up-to-date look at that company. And if anything, business is stronger than money reported. So, go sell it. It's not going to be a good idea to sell it. But people want to sell it because they're in a sell mood. So, look to look for Broadcom to be a buy.
2: Yeah, there's actually a ton of news in semis. I got some revenue guidance out of Taiwan Semi. Uh, Gelsinger making some comments at B of A about second half headwinds. Uh, Western Didge working with Elliott on some alternatives. We'll get to all of that. We'll get Kramer's Mad Dash and the opening bell.
1: Experience the joy of running in the new Triumph 22 from Saucony, the original running brand. Stacked with luxury foam cushioning, Triumph 22 turns miles into smiles with the ultimate blend of comfort and energy return. Shop Triumph
2: 22 at Saucony.com. That's S A U-C-O-N-Y.com.
0: What's on the horizon for financial markets? At p it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with P. Jim, a leading global asset manager.
2: Take a look at this uh, live shot of the room at the CEO, Yale the CEO Summit. There's Blankfein on your right, uh, Jane Frazier of Citi on your left. Our Sarah Eisen, of course, as we said earlier, in the room, seated next to Greg Maffei of Liberty. And President Zelensky uh, will take some questions as well. A lot of information headed our way in the next few minutes. And the opening bell coming up. Don't go away. All
1: right, three minutes before we get started with trading at the NYSE. Let's uh, squeeze in a mad dash. Uber, it is out where you are. Maybe you picked something up. I don't know. What's going on? Yes.
3: Well, first of all, Barclays says the time is right. Uh, It's at a radical inflection point. And that's because drivers are now available. Uh, I would also point out that I'd say you see uh, driverless cars here pretty much everywhere. Now, they have to have someone in except from 1 to 4 uh, a.m. But, David, I think this is a great call. Uh, I I have to tell you, here's why I think it's a great call. Because this thing's come down so much. And what's been the impediment, I spoke with uh, Zimmer yesterday from Lyft. It's very hard to get drivers. But with the so-called recession that's coming, drivers are available. And people are going out. People are going out in, in, everywhere. I mean, the partying is going, they're going out. Not going out so much to San Francisco, but the rest of the country is getting very hot. So I think this is a terrific call. And I think that you can start buying Uber because their principal cost is going down.
1: Hmm. All right. Isn't that interesting? Uh, yeah, that stock nice done. Nice contrarian call that, by, by Ross Saylor. That stock has uh, done little but go down as well, Jim.
3: Well, it's it's been... Um, it's been, let's call it an underperformer. <laughs> about,
1: a, about a $50 billion uh, market value. Now, usually you love talking about things like Uber Freight whenever you talk about Uber. Well, uh, Leroy
3: Bregman it. was on uh, the other day, and he uh, is trying to figure out how to make it so that if you're taking something, say, from Texas uh, to Minnesota, there's something in the truck, Minnesota, to back to Texas. And they're doing a good job. But in the end, it's long-haul trucking that's the real problem. Nobody wants to be a long-haul trucker. It's a tough Tough job, uh, even for the money, because you're away from your family for a long time, and there's you're always trying to find a parking spot. Good piece the other day uh, in the papers, but David, Uber itself, uh, when you have people looking for money, uh, and you can make forty dollars an hour, look what you can make a lot of money. Well, David, Uber may be maybe coming back, and I think that this is the time to start
1: accumulating Uber. All right. Carl, we got a minute before we get started with trading, of course. Plenty of other things that we're keeping an eye on this morning.
2: Uh, yeah, indeed, guys. Uh, we haven't really gotten to a few of the earnings stories today, Jim. Uh, Scott's miracle Grow is going to be the big blow-up of the day. They do guide uh, down for the year 450 to 5. Estimate was 7, Jim. Uh, that's that's going to be our double-digit decliner.
3: That's very disappointing, particularly because they have very good a natural uh, growing product this year. I thought it would help them. Uh, We know that Lowe's and Home Depot, I think we're having a pretty good time with the professional. But, you know, Scott's Miracle Grove is so seasonal. And there's about four weekends that they need. And a couple of weekends were too weak. The weather was bad. So uh, I say no. I don't want to go there. I don't want to go there. I don't want to go Ollie's Bargain. (laughs)
2: Yep.
3: We'll watch that. They lost
2: their CFO. Uh, Let's get the opening bell here, guys, in the CNBC Real Time Exchange at the big board it is paint maker sherwin williams and at the nasdaq symbotic a robotics automation company celebrating david it's listing vs Spac.
1: yeah they still happen occasionally there's still some Spacs out there good luck if you're a Spac that's just raising money now trying to actually find a deal we've gone through those numbers of course the story of Spacs lately as you know guys has been uh deals getting called off and likely what we're going to see is them st- Many, We'll see how many, but many of the SPACs, at least, or certainly a a significant number of SPACs that went public, not being able to actually find a deal. Uh, But that's still yet to come. We'll get into the sweet spot of that probably six months or so from now, if you remember just the torrent of issuance that took place. But, Jim, it was also reflective, of course, of of a speculative moment in our broader market. It's one we talked about a lot. Being here kind of brings me back to it because it was – during that period where I was over there and you were over here, we were 30 feet apart, and we would talk about names like Snowflake and the incredible multiple, not to earnings, but to revenues of that company. Now, when you look at these names, whether it's a Snowflake, whether, and we can go through so many of them as you have done on Mad Money oftentimes, down 70% plus from their highs. Here, it's only 47% off during one year.
3: Well, we do have uh, Frank Slootman on the for Snowflake, and the one thing I would say is that uh, Frank never uh, understood, I think, the price of his stock when it was at 405 uh, which was pretty absurd. Now, Frank's got a model. He, he, he doesn't want to do anything. He doesn't make money. Uh, and he's a very tough guy. He's made a lot of money for people before. But the crowd was so excited. David, the Tiger Globals, the, uh, what, the Journal mentioned an article, Tiger Global, they invested in Snowflake on the VST side, and then they had it on the stock side. I've never really understood how that model works, David, because aren't you on the one hand pumping a stock up and then on the other hand uh, releasing it to the public, uh, which could be good for you?
1: How does that model work? Well, I mean, the model works pretty well for any number of these hedge funds that were early investors uh, in many of these companies when they were private. And then, of course, benefited enormously during that period where they went public. And, of course, these days we barely see any IPOs, certainly not of growth companies like Snowflake at this point. And then their, their position is, is, is marked up enormously, Jim. So, I mean, it, it benefits until it doesn't, until you own yep. these things too long, until you don't sell enough of them, until you own every growth name in the book. That was trading in an incredibly high multiple, and by the way, until you invested in such a slew of venture uh, from the venture capital side, and that's whether you're Tiger or D1 uh, or many other hedge funds as well. Um, and the question we have now, that I ask all the time, is well, where are they marking them? You know, right. again, Tiger doesn't share a lot. I think they may be marking fairly aggressively. Others, perhaps not so much. In terms of what are these private companies that many had thought would be coming public this year, for example, they can't find a window to do so. What are they worth? You know, what, what I, kind of values are haircut. they? Yeah. And are the owners of those taking the appropriate valuations for their own investors? Because they're getting paid on that.
3: Well, I mean, look, they, there should be someone, uh, someone within the organization says, look, these are not worth what we paid for. Now, Carl, I'm going to go back to Snowflake for a second, because that was the most uh, richly valued. It was never in, unlike 2019 and 2009, Frank Slootman never encouraged that price. He just did his job. No one in Slootman's organization thought that that stock should be up at 400. What they thought it should be a, a very uh, aggressive company. You had to and you had to figure out what to pay for it. But Carl, not every one of these CEOs said, "Listen, my stock's worth a fortune." He said, "And yep. hey, Frank Slootman said, my business is unique. Uh, I read his book. He told you what to do." And it certainly was a lot more cerebral and a lot less, let's uh, say, uh, unnaturally uh, unnaturally overvalued. It's just not. Yeah, as
2: we, we had him on Tech Check a couple of weeks ago. Uh, pretty good insight, uh, re- reacting to the warnings from VC uh, right. executives to their founders, saying a lot of that's overdone. Typical classic cycle of. Uh, getting overexcited about cost discipline uh, and definitely looking to smooth it out. You know, the other interesting software story today, Jim, is DocuSign as they expand their global partnership with Microsoft. This is their first peak above the 50 days since uh, early April.
3: Well, we've got some of these stocks going up. We've got Roku. that had a couple of uh, a little lift. Zoom's been terrific. By the way, Kathy Wood and David, I think these are what I would call Wood stocks, is back buying Tesla. And it looks like a festival of, of overvalued stocks, although I do like Tesla because I think it's well run. These companies, the uh, arc Innovation companies, are making a comeback, David, much to the chagrin of the Shorts, who felt that was a natural place. Uh, they created that, what, Cuddy Sark,
1: Sark, yeah. the thing to bet against Yeah, to bet against them. I mean, I wouldn't—don't overstate it here. It's not like—I mean, she's lost more money for investors than she ever made, right? So— I mean, True. Yeah, there's a little bit of a bounce there. It's not looking so pretty. Um, no, but there's
3: movement up in some of the surprised <laughs> like to hear design. you
1: take a somewhat positive tone on on. Well, on, I'm just saying that the art.
3: zooms in the doc. Let's see, let's see about Teladoc. Is Teladoc bottoming? I mean, that would really be the sign. I mean,
1: wow. By the way, there was a story on Roku that got the, the stock moving. You heard Rich Greenfield oh, the on, on Squawk Box earlier. Yeah, I mean, the I bogus mean, takeover story. Yeah, Netflix. I mean, come on.
2: Well, that, David, Come it's on. the middle of the... You know, it's beginning it's to be
1: the
3: summer. Rocco is moving up on that bogus story. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah.
2: Yeah, the, the bar got lower today in reporting on m David. I mean, that piece was uh, basically just saying employees are talking more... People are talking about it uh, yeah. more and more. Uh, Jim, we should probably touch on Novavax and Moderna. Uh, Novavax, of course, FDA panel uh, votes to authorize its COVID vaccine. And then Moderna pretty good response in this uh, Omicron-specific booster.
3: Yeah, I guess I got to... I'm a Moderna person. I guess, you know, we got to figure out whether... Remember, the booster said to last only four to five months. When people get Omicron, that that is only four to five months. So when you go back, I mean, I'll get the new Moderna I'm doing uh, in July. I'll go get the new Moderna. People should recognize... Uh, and I know this, Dr. Topol stuff. It Look, there's a 90%... Uh, Immunity for the first four months, I shouldn't say immunity. You don't get it that badly. And then it goes down to 50%, but they don't tell you that. That's the actual. They don't tell you that at all. Mm. There's still great mystery about
1: how these things work. Um, Hey, Jim, in the same Industry, so to speak, but not Uh-oh. having to do with COVID. I, you know, I, this is a very small study, but you followed uh, Glaxo pretty closely. GSK. The standing ovation for the breast cancer drug, and we don't talk about it. Well, now. breast cancer drug, but also, did you see this very small study of 14 rectal cancer patients that took place at Sloan Kettering? Because yes. they were they released it. Now, tiny study, tiny. I get it, but all the patients that took this drug um, had remission. All of them yeah, that's highly no evidence unusual. of tumor whatsoever. And this was advanced colorectal cancer. Glaxo's been saying this. Emma, Dame Emma Wamsley's
3: been saying this. No one's been listening, but this was a uh, pretty good showing for them, and the stock moved a dollar and a half. Again, that's the weave for good news, Carl. If something's really great, nobody really cares. If something's bad, you sell the whole <laughs> sector. Now, that is, that's bear market activity, but it's too negative. I thought Glaxo should be up at 47.8. Uh, they've done a lot of good things, but people just say, oh, it's Glaxo. What do they know? I mean, right.
2: I you know one, know, one of the things that, that did work today, Jim, uh, was Campbell Soup. Uh, 70 beat 62. Organic up nine. We were looking for five. Gross margins up 90 basis points, Jim. But uh, interesting and tellingly, marketing expense down seven. Uh, I wonder if that's going to be an early tell on what we might hear in media in the weeks to come.
3: It could be. I mean, Mark Klaus has done a a great job there. Uh, He was on the last quarter and said it was going to be the last bad quarter, and sure enough, it was. Uh, Where are they going to spend? They're going to spend more and more Amazon. They're going to spend more and more Google, less and less Snap. I mean, that's just the way of the future. I don't know what they're going to do with TikTok. I still believe that Reels is coming on strong. Uh, But I just say that they cut out the bad media. The question is, Do they cut out TV? Because uh, that's a real uh, old-fashioned TV advertiser, Carl, and I think they cut out TV before they cut out the else. Hmm.
2: Uh, The other interesting one, Jim, was uh, Intel uh, presenting at B of A, talking about some of these second-half headwinds. Kind of an echo, Jim, of the comments we've heard lately. Elevated inventory levels, softer demand for PC, Parts of uh, data center enterprise softening right. up a little bit?
3: I have, I'm interviewing Pat Gelsinger tonight. Uh, what, what a nice guy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I thought you broke bread and it was all I good. I didn't know I like
3: Pat. I like Pat, but I also like stocks that go higher. I mean, hey, it's just a predilection. I think Pat's doing a good job, but. Can we just understand he's up against AMD, Lisa Su. He's up against Jensen, okay, at, at, at NVIDIA. Those are tough customers. It's very tough to go up against them. But we'll talk tonight, and we'll get a little better sense. He's Good. got a long-term plan that I actually
1: believe in, the short-term plan very hard. Well, listen, Jim, you've been right on the stock. Let's not forget that. I, you've been right. But,
3: David, it's about friends, not money.
1: Okay, not quite just sure kidding. what that means. Yeah. No, it's just kidding. I've made some <laughs> friends out here
3: though. I, it's been shockingly nice. Really? But that's cybersecurity? No kidding. Yeah. Well, it's extortion. The actual price for cybersecurity extortion has ah. gone from about forty thousand to nine hundred thousand now. When you get it, you have to pay about nine hundred thousand. And they tend to try to leak a couple documents on the web so they know the, so you know they're serious. Yeah. Almost everybody's been hit by it. Uh, nobody wants to talk about it because it's too embarrassing. But you, you should get CrowdStrike. You should get Palo Alto if you're worried. CyberArk 2, I'll talk to them. And, yes, Okta, which is uh,
1: Identity. I got all of those. And Zelensky, no, not yet. All right, well, you'll keep working on that. Uh, Carl mentioned lowering the bar on m a reporting. I hopefully won't do that with uh, the favor report here, but I do want to try and answer some questions, and I don't have all the answers at all, but I get them a lot. Uh, You know, there's a lot of LBOs out there uh, in process, so to speak, certainly continue to hear that in terms of that range, let's call it anywhere from two to as much as seven or eight billion dollars, perhaps sometimes even more. Um, And of course, one key question in this market is the financing markets. We know rates have moved up, so therefore the cost of borrowing has moved up. You may in fact see a larger equity check in some of these deals, but that may be okay because the price is going to be at a lower level than it previously had been. Uh, as well. But when you have security, uh, for example, or collateral, so to speak, I'm, I'm hearing things are, are good. Uh, secured works well, unsecured is going to be a little more expensive. Um, brings me to the first name I get some questions on that I hadn't really done that much reporting on a little bit along the way Kohl's. Let's just take a look at Kohl's because, of course, we got that three weeks, right? It's, the clock's ticking. They're working right. with, uh, with franchisee, this group, uh, to, to get a deal done at perhaps as high as 60 bucks a share. I'm hearing they're getting the financing uh, done, uh, that it is moving along. Um, that's from people who are involved in it. M- most of the financing is together. A lot of collateral there. Remember, they own a lot of real estate. Um, you know, Whether they get there to a deal, we'll see. But I did send some optimism there. And in part, that may be reflective of the fact that the company was willing to say, hey, we'll give you three weeks to try and get this together. You can see the stock just reversed a bit on that. Uh, but again, you got a big spread there reflecting concern. Uh, That, in fact, they won't. Jim has brought up many times, why do you want to buy this thing heading into a recession, loading debt on it? But I will tell you, uh, picking up some optimism, and when it comes to the financing, particularly because it is involving a lot of uh, collateral, it does appear that it is something that they are, at this point, I'm told, likely to be able to
0: put together.
3: I got the same pushback. Uh, I got people who told me, uh, look, it's a very valuable property. The real estate's interesting. Uh, they'll, the price reflects a lot of the negativity, and I ought to get on board the coal strain. Uh, <laughs> tell the world, David, I'm not going to get on board the coal
1: strain. Okay, you don't have to. And, I'm not and when we see in. the press release announcing the deal, we can also talk about the risks that are being undertaken if, in fact, that happens. Uh, they've got some more time. Here's another name I get a lot of uh, questions on because people thought maybe this could be an LBO, Zendesk. Uh, it's been straight down for a long time, up today, uh, ever so slightly. Remember, this is the company that had the deal to buy Momentum. It got voted down. Uh, they received a bid. Um, the bid was from a large consortium of private equity firms. These kind of club deals, always difficult to get together. Here's what I ha- I've heard. Um, this one's looking very tough. People seem to have, uh, in certain areas, put their pencils down. And, in fact, coordinating four private equity firms Big equity check, getting all that done to the finish line, not easy. Um, And so when it comes to this one, not based on the financing markets, based more on the complexity of organizing the deal itself, they still haven't set a meeting date, uh, has Zendesk, for the annual meeting. We're waiting, but uh, I've heard it from enough quarters now, people who would be aware of what was going on, to give you a sense that this one looks less likely. Uh, And finally, want to end with NCR. You know, they had an activist, uh, a lot of different things sort of swirling around there in terms of their ability to do something uh, for shareholders. Uh, And that one still working, still moving. Uh, You know, financing markets, again, play an important role in whether you can get a deal done. Apollo is the name that I've been hearing more consistently than any other in terms of potential buyer there. Remember, actually, they wanted this Cartronics business. Uh, NCR ended up buying it. Uh, We'll see if they get there. It's weeks away if it happens at all. But there's another update for you on another potential leverage buyout, Carl. Uh, And again, the financing markets will play an important role here. Right now, they're still there. They're still open. Certainly secured plays a lot better than does unsecured. You're going to pay more, but maybe you write a bigger equity check, but you have a lesser overall price to pay because of the markets overall. Carl, back to you.
2: That is interesting, David. You know, in a similar vein regarding M&A, uh, Credit Suisse is getting a bit of a bounce here, being thrown into the pot of, uh, of potential what-ifs. Uh, but that comes on the heels, David, of their third profit warning of the year and reports that they're now going to weigh uh, the possibility of layoffs as well.
1: Man, I mean, I, I don't, Jim, these guys just can't ever seem to get it together. Uh, obviously, it's more than a year now since, well, we remember since the— uh, the giant trade that went against them mm-hmm. um, in discovery and Viacom. Uh, but it's just one thing after another uh, for them. And and to Carl's point, they do put out this, uh, this update. The investment bank advisory revenue has been resilient. Um, but overall, uh, transition for Credit Suisse is what they talk about for the second half of the year, given the economic and market environment uh, and their cost initiatives, of course, that they hope come through very quickly.
3: Yeah, no, this is a a very interesting story David Miller the global head of investment banking just the other day said um, told everyone we're back and then they announced these horrible numbers today so uh, credit suisse it, that's at your own peril
1: yeah and of I, course I, I don't w- one of the questions there is how do you keep your people how do you keep good people particularly when they've been incented with a lot of their compensation with that stock I and mean, you can go back a bit well you can see what sort of what it's done uh, not that easy guys uh, when it comes to M&A deals actually the one that we haven't mentioned yet this morning is one of the biggest is uh is the Denver Broncos is football uh right. and the Walton family or in specific uh uh to uh to Rob Walton um and Kerry Walton Penner and Greg Penner uh as well um but uh they're buying the Denver Broncos. Uh, 4.65 billion is the price that we're hearing it ended up at. I've been tracking this a bit. There was another bidding group I was aware of that was at four billion. Uh, these guys were originally at four. They came up to four and a half. Now we're told it's 4.65. That's not our reporting, but overall you can see as well. Melody Hobson uh, joining the ownership group. Uh, um, it's a big number uh, for a company that I was told after debt service might generate about 100 million. You're going to need a new stadium as well. Um, That ain't going to be cheap for sure, Jim. Uh, And then the question also becomes, hey, what does it mean for the other franchises that are out there and may be sold? You know, you had Seattle potentially on the block. Houston as well. Can't hurt when you uh, get a price like that. The largest ever paid at this point.
3: Yeah, I guess Tepper did good with the Panthers, huh? Yeah. Well, Tepper was going to trade badly. Yeah, we should talk to Tepper about marking down. Now, I bet you he would if he were in these guys, he would market at zero. That's the way Tepper plays it. I mean, he just he is just a very serious business person. And I am sure if we got on the phone, he would despise the idea that these guys are carrying a lot of these private private deals at higher prices. He right. just would never do that.
1: Right. Although but your point is that he could mark it up based on this. Yeah. yeah, I mean a lot. But the Panthers,
3: even though look, the Broncos very much improved their team, yes. so I think they're going to be much more competitive. <laughs> that does matter when it comes to uh, what they can do with it. But the Panthers have uh, that's, that's, I, a lot of people felt that that Dave spoke uh, put too much money in the Panthers, and that was yeah. Wrong.
1: Well, it is Carl's team, so we can defer to him on on what it means for the Broncos. I would think, think it's good, good to Carl. have a somebody worth 40, 50 billion who owns your team. They can spend. They a got lot a good quarterback. Yeah.
2: Uh, I've got to tell you, being from Denver, uh, Russell is the prince of the city right now. Uh, those sports pages are going to be on fire uh, next few months. Uh, as we go to break, guys, time for the bond report. Let's take a look at Treasuries and see how, how they're faring today. We did get, of course, above three last couple days. Yields have been tending to stay a little bit above 3.02 at the moment. Dow opened uh, again with a, uh, a drop lower, but shaving those losses in the early session down 95. Let's get to Jim and stop trading.
3: Yeah, Carl, all we ever hear about is price target cut, number cut, price target. Well, watch uh Halbert, that's a club name. We own it for, uh, act, for our uh, travel trust. I've got to tell you, it's been remarkable. Barclays bumps the price target hey. again. We're going to talk about this at our morning meeting at 1020 because this is the kind of stock that the money's just going to keep pouring into. It's very much like the old days where we used to see these stocks go up and up and up every time oil went up, almost lockstep. So the Barclays call is very, very good. We'll talk about it at the morning meeting at ten twenty.
2: Right. Do you, do you talk about when you start ringing registers or not? Is, is it way too not early yet. for that?
3: Way too early. We have a yeah. we have about a ten percent position in oil. I would like to get to fifteen. This is the group that is it's it's anointed here. I mean, it's just the group where the estimates are too low. Most of the All stocks right. have estimates that are too high.
2: And then you got a big one tonight.
3: Got Snowflake, which is Frank Sloopman. He tells it as it is. And I think that sometimes we need that. Uh, we've got Todd McKinnon. They had an actual hack themselves, and yet business went up. And we got Chuck Robbins. I'm trying to get the state of things because Cisco's broad enough panoply that it can talk about uh, conflicts in Europe. It can talk about China. But the one thing I, I keep getting here is, guys, there's going to be recession, but don't worry about it. Digitization lives on. And I'm worried about it because you're not, if you don't have new companies, then you don't have more digitization. So I am a little more circumspect than I've seen out here today.
2: Uh, Jim, it's good to get you on the ground there. Uh, you're our eyes and ears in so many different ways. We'll see you later on today Hudson. and tonight. Carl, it's yeah. West of the
3: Hudson. <laughs> <Sure>. Maybe <laughs> Dave like New Yorker
2: me. poster. <laughs> Mad Money, 6 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, we'll take a break here. Dow continues to shave away at the opening losses. The Nasdaq screen.
1: You've been listening to the opening hour of CNBC's Squawk on the Street.
0: This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you.